Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. So my first question is, why in the hell don't the Rams have indoor plumbing? This is the Press Box. You're not at a great point in your life when you have to take a dump in a porta potty, right? True. That's not a great day for you. With Grady and Bischoff. Shove it in. Someone from the Hard Knocks who took a dump in the porta potty. <laughs> like, they immediately blame the media. Like, we get blamed for everything. It's fine to blame us for, like, if you want to think we're negative, but we got to draw the line that we're taking the dumps in the porta potty. No. At that point, I draw the line. Here we go. It's Friday. Ed, Tyler. Lindsay, Jared, we're all in. We're all in studio today. This is too many people ben in Wallace. the studio. Well, look, I'm holding <laughs> up. Some, I'm holding up some kind of contraption that the I think the studio is falling apart. It's falling apart. I'm holding up some kind of long screw or bendy thing that goes on my microphone. I think it's a spring. It's a spring. Uh, okay, then where's the? Okay, we got a this? spring and a, a washer. A nut. Got a washer. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, uh, yeah, our microphone. Today. Don't, don't look at me. Halfway to a contraption already. Yes, our exactly. microphones are falling apart. Oh, my God. This thing is, like, aggressive. Lindsay is going to break <laughs> the other mic. I'm on the board today, guys. Be nice. There you go. How you doing? Oh, well, we found... I, I didn't have gum when I walked into the studio, and that's, yeah. like, one of my main items that I, like, need to have. And so I was frantically searching through all my bags, and I was I found three pieces, and so... We're winning today on this Friday. They might be from 2006, but yeah. she found It's them. fine. It's fine. I just need something to put in my mouth. Sometimes I got oral fixation problems. I bite my nails like crazy. At least we're not in the Raider Nation radio <laughs> studio. I was going to say, so that's a first bite preview, if anything. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you guys are gross. Is that where I hit the button? That's where ah! you hit it. Might not work. You have all the pots down. Uh-oh. Oh, God. On air. The first <laughs> bite. <laughs> Will Josh McDaniels or Nathaniel Hackett get fired this season? I'm taking the Jason Fitz approach here. Owen 17, he's still the coach. For both of them? Well, one no, of them no. Well, one of them can't be Owen 17 because he's 2 and 1. I'm taking that he, can, he cannot be fired this year, that Mark Davis would not is it admit the mistake at 0 17? <laughs> okay. If if they go zero and seventeen, I, Jimmy Johnson went one and fifteen. Now he's not Jimmy Johnson, but we you, didn't know Jimmy Johnson was that way. We didn't know he was that good. If you go zero and seventeen, I think you have to fire him. I'm taking Fitzy. Really? I, I, okay. Yeah, I am. I mean, I'm taking Fitzy. I just I don't think he's getting fired if they you know have a terrible four win season or something right. like that. But zero and seventeen is so bad and. It's so bad for a team that went in this offseason. This is like it'd be one thing know, if you had they a, didn't rebuild. I right. Know. If you had a new head coach and you were taking over the Texans and Davis Mills was your quarterback and everybody was excited about this Damon Pierce guy you drafted in the middle rounds. But like they went all in. I think Owen 17 would you'd have to fire the guy. You might fire him. Would he have lost the locker room at that point? (laughs) That's the big thing. Would he have lost the locker room? I heard that the slogans painted on the wall. Yes, has he lost the locker room? But they're not going to go zero and seventeen. No, that's like almost impossible. They're going to win at least one game, and they're probably going to win five, six, seven, somewhere in that range. Ultimately, and I don't think he gets fired if they're a six-win team, seven-win team, something like that. But um, the reputable bet online has odds on the first coach to be fired and McDaniels and Hackett were both five to one, both tied with the third best odds for the next NFL coach to be fired. 
the only two ahead of them, Matt Rule in Carolina, who most people assume is getting fired after this year, and Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, who didn't he just get a new contract? Yeah, he did. I guess it's always one cheek off though, in the <laughs> yeah. hot seat. They can't wear socks either. They're yeah. they're one and two, I guess, if things went really poorly there. Kingsbury's right. he's he's probably gone or Cliff could be gone Kingsbury? there. But I just I don't know which one I think is more likely to be fired between McDaniels and Hackett because I don't think McDaniels is getting fired after a six win season. I do think Hackett would get fired if they won six games, but they're already get fired if they win eleven. <laughs> they're already two and one. <laughs> and like they, they might end up in the playoffs here. Yeah. Like that might be a legitimate yeah. situation for the Broncos. So it would be even even though we've seen incompetence, it would be hard to fire a coach. Who goes to the postseason? Uh, in his first this guy year. might be the exception to the rule. <laughs> That's uh, from what well, we've seen the so Raiders far. Just like oh, their playoff leading head coach uh, technically. Uh, I mean, it was a different situation, yeah. but little interim guy. But you? which, by the way, have you seen the stories out of Green Bay? How I good can, are they in special teams? This, I think it was somebody like for, a good special teams coach again. I think it was somebody for the Athletic was like the Packers special teams has been so good. I had to write about it. Oh, and this oh, is the team. Man. This is the team that lost a postseason game last year oh, because their special teams yeah. sucked. I mean, the offense didn't score either. So but, he went there and he became like, <laughs> and boy, Bay, that that makes it even look, look worse for the Raiders, doesn't it? <laughs> Green Bay immediately went from like, oh, terrible special teams to hey, they might Versace. have the best special teams in the league. I do think Rich Versace is probably the guy that is, hey, he's a special teams coach, and you probably don't want him doing more than that. Well, is Josh McDaniels probably an offensive coordinator? Yes, with Tom Brady. Yeah, well, <laughs> that that guy helped too. With everybody else, eh, we'll see. Um, I would go right now, Hackett is the more likely one to be fired between the two. Because yes. I think if, if at the end of the year, if they both were to finish, let's say, 6-11, uh, and 11, I think Hackett's more likely to get fired in that scenario than Josh McDaniels uh, from what we've seen. Obviously, stuff could go on behind the scenes that could lead to it. But from what we've seen, it's Hackett that's more likely to get fired. Now, I also think the Broncos are more likely to go to the postseason right now than the Raiders. So Hackett's got a better path to team success than McDaniels. And I, I think the Broncos are going to finish out of the Raiders, which means they're not going to be 6-11. Yeah, I mean, they're two, they're, they're two games ahead already. Like the Raiders look like a mess. We both had Denver last. We did. We both had Denver. We both had Denver last in the division. division. So, and it's not like you can't make up two games in a season. Hell, you play the Broncos twice. You could beat them twice, and you make up two games. But a two and one start versus a three and zero start for. Because here's the thing, I had I expected Denver to finish last, but it's not because there was a big gap between them and the Raiders. It was oh, you guys are pretty close, right? But I think the Raiders are a little bit better. They already have a two game lead, so if they're about the same. The two game lead's pretty significant because they'll, in my mind, they'll probably split the two matchups this year. They'll probably go one and one against each other, and that's where we get. Yeah. So I think it's Hackett that's more likely to be fired. Now, here's the real question in the AFC West How lucky are the Chiefs? Uh, right now, they're really fortunate <laughs> given the Chargers have nobody, <laughs> the Raiders are 3, and the Broncos are coached <laughs> by Nathaniel Hackett. So, yeah, I think they're very fortunate at this point. So they found their franchise quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, right? And sure. a while ago. After they found him, has anybody in this division put together a legitimate, you know, surge, a legitimate chase to be as good as Kansas City? No. I mean, I think every year it's supposed to be the Chargers for the last four or five years, and it hasn't been. Yeah. You've I had mean, the, the Chargers 
might have found their franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert, but somehow they lost to the Texans and Rex Burkhead ran for 400 yards last year, and then somehow they lost a game in overtime to make the playoffs last year to the Raiders. All they needed was the tie. Right. And then this year, they're dealing with the worst injury luck of any team in the league. They've lost their best players at the most important positions, so we can almost count the Chargers out right now. The Broncos have had terrible quarterback play for a decade. Like how long has it been since they had a good quarterback there and they finally get Russell Wilson, but it seems that they've paired him with an idiot as a head coach and two and one. And then the Raiders <laughs> have been one of the least successful organizations yeah. in the NFL for two decades beyond, beyond Kansas City and Mahomes. But basically like, you look at NFL teams and you're always striving to find your franchise quarterback, right? But you can often run into problems where, ah, we got our franchise quarterback, but other teams in our division might still be good, right? Like take uh, Baltimore and Cincinnati. Cincinnati finds Joe Burrow. They they think they've got the guy. Oh, the Ravens still exist and Lamar Jackson's really good. But for Kansas City, they get their franchise quarterback and the rest of this division is like, all right, we suck. Well, we're terrible. We've got no, like, are any of these teams actually going to challenge Kansas City this year? No, but I've come over to your, uh, and I didn't yesterday, I've come over to your side of maybe feeling a little bad for the Chargers. Maybe. It's, I mean, I mean, listen, the guys they've, the guy, the, the guys they've lost and the, not, it's not so much the guys they've lost, it's the positions they've right. lost. You don't have to feel bad for the Chargers because in the past they find a way to always blow it when they appear to be in a good team. Right. But this year, that's it's like it's like the Ravens last year, right? The Ravens lost two guys in the same practice. To the ACL. To ACL. I, mean, like, I shouldn't be laughing at that. Back-to-back plays. It's ridiculous. And then Lamar Jackson, even despite all the injuries, they were I think they were in first in the AFC, and then Lamar Jackson got hurt, and they didn't win a game until he came back. It's, it's that, but it's, honestly, it's probably worse. Because you lose your defensive end, you lose your left tackle. Left tackle. Keenan Allen hasn't played Quarterbacks since week got one, broken ribs. and Justin Herbert's playing with whatever the hell he's playing with. Like, that's terrible. Like, that's not a ah, uh, we lost our uh, free safety and uh, backup linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are like the most important players on the team. So, yeah, I feel a little bad for the Chargers because this is supposed to be the all-in year for them with Justin Herbert still getting paid basically nothing. But What's the worst you think he could go? And they're not going 0-17 because it's impossible in the NFL nowadays to go. And so it's impossible usually just to go one or two wins because of the, the Barry. It's easier to go 17-0. and 0. I really think that than 0-17. What's the worst you think he could go to really, really seriously for them to make a decision? It's like, okay, and I'm not even saying he lost the locker room, although at 0-17 he probably has. Uh, that he would actually be that Mark Davis would actually say, you know what, this was a mistake, and I had, and he'd have to admit that this was a mistake. Two or three wins, I think. If he if he's at three wins or less, there's a legitimate chance he's getting fired. And I think the whole the whole lost the locker room that type of of narrative would be a big reason why they've already had a players meeting, right? And we've already we already have Devontae Adams talking about I'm frustrated, I'm angry, right? We already have hell, we already have Devontae Adams shutting down questions about driving a pace car. Right, Devontae Adams, they've lost three games, and he's already publicly annoyed when talking to the media. Imagine if this team is like one and nine, right? Like, what what are we going to hear from Devontae Adams when they're one and they nine? They won't be one and nine. You don't think that? I don't, but I Jared also, does. I also think they're going to win more than Jared. <laughs> don't you have them? Well, they kind of already blew it, <laughs> yeah, didn't they? they? Yeah, okay. <laughs> they can't go uh, undefeated against non-divisional opponents. Um, but like, if, in all seriousness, if they are on path to be a three-win team, that means they're going to be about one and nine, maybe two and eight, or something like that. But if they're one and nine, I I think it's going to be, it's probably going to be so bad internally that you ultimately end up firing if they if they win three games. 
I can't stick nine and eight, but I'm going to go eight and nine. I'm going to go one less. I can't stick nine and eight. You know this. Seven. You were nine and eight. I, got, yeah. I think we're both nine and eight. I got them seven and ten now. Okay. I'll go eight. I, I don't think they're they're going to be a just completely awful football no. team. They're going to be fine. They're going to win some games. They're winning games. But I don't think they're going to the postseason. I think it's a seven-win team. That I think they're more likely to win like six than they are to actually go to the postseason. So, yeah. I Three wins or less, though, I think he's in... Real trouble, simply because even if it's not going to happen, even if Mark Davis is like, ah, I want to keep him around, I think it's going to be so bad internally that three and three wins, you got to you got to get rid of the guy. They're winning more than that. Yeah, I think they're so too good, but it would be funny if they didn't. Would well, be funny I don't know funny it would be. <laughs> Jared believes it. Devontae be Adams is already funny. The guy's frustrated and angry. He won't answer questions about pace cars if they're three and fourteen. My God, he's going to be hilarious. He's just gonna how how what will we ask him at three and fourteen if we can't ask him about the pace cars? Just ask him about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers every week. Who at that point would yeah. be fourteen and three? Hey, did you see Aaron Rodgers? He's gonna win another another MVP. <laughs> Packers are in first. All right, coming up next, Golden Knights have another preseason game tonight. Could it be Mark Stone's debut? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel pretty comfortable. Um, I don't think there's a ton of check or tons of boxes to check uh, other than playing games. So. Um, I'm feeling pretty comfortable uh, moving forward. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Coming up a little later in the show, we're going to give somebody a chance to win 400 bucks thanks to Dollar Loan Center. So stay tuned for that. You're just going to have to pick the winner of three NFL games that we give you. We also have tickets to Eddie Vedder. And a Porta Subs six foot sub. All of that coming up on Meaning today's show. Next Friday, you'll have a chance to win five hundred dollars. Hey, they're gonna win today, Ed, or this weekend. There's gonna be All a right, winner. There's gonna be a winner. We're gonna give this money away now. First off, the Golden Knights play a preseason game tonight. Before we get to Mark Stone, you're going to cover the Golden Knights preseason and not Marcus Arroyo's soon to be four and one football team. Have you and I talked about deadline? Come before? on, have who you cares that it's an eight this, o'clock this start? Concept of deadline before? Who cares about the eight o'clock start? I told These you are tough. Yesterday, you could write the story now that they're going to beat New Mexico yes. and be four and one. Four and, and one start. First place UNLV. That's I've seen right. that a lot this week. That I've can, seen that a lot. You can already do that. Just just write it right now. And then, I mean, somebody back in the uh, the RJ can put in the score, right? Just put XX dash XX for the final score, and would I just it. make up statistics? <laughs> nah, you don't need you don't need to just write about how they the feel. Guy, you're telling me I don't need numbers? Just write about how they feel. I'll give you all the numbers <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> you can throw me quotes. Yeah, just write we about feel how good. they feel. Yeah, <laughs> said Marcus Arroyo, we're four and one. Just use those those stupid hard work beats talent quotes that you have. Oh, that's right. That'd That's right. Fine. I could actually wear my hey. T-shirt to the game. Lindsay, hush. Get out of here. Get out of here with your hard work beats talent. When talent doesn't work hard, Mike, I don't want to hear it anymore. But you can put it in your story. <laughs> yeah, that could be the lead with yes. italics. Yeah, except put it they, in italics. Except I think they actually are talented. I think they're talented. Yeah, like I think that. That's but not actually true. But they work hard. I, do they work harder than New Mexico? I have no idea. We need a hard work meter. Yeah, who's uh, working harder? But that strength coach I wrote about. Yeah, Lindsay, t- come here, come here. How do you determine who's working harder? Um, not, sweat. not actually, no, no, not during the game. Not how do you the know? Game. How do you know who worked harder in the week leading up to the game? I think it's all in the preparation. Are you focused? Yeah, how yeah but how they... do I tell? No, no. How do I tell? It's just something in the air. Like if I'm you like, oh, it. I'm gonna bet on games, like Danny over here. I don't know. I look at like <laughs> motivations. I look at 
have they lost? Have they lost a lot? What's the yeah. situation of pressure for the right. coach? Like, there's all these different things. Because, <laughs> and are you fighting for the coach? Do you still want to be coached by the coach? You know what I mean? There's no no uh, no worry about uh, Marcus. <laughs> well, Marcus is in first place, three and one. They're playing for him, aren't they? I think so. Yeah, sounds. They're like working it. hard for Marcus. Okay. That's a fact. Is that Mark, is, that is, is true. Is Mark Stone playing tonight? You asking yes. me? Oh, I was gonna say I I, I, mean, I didn't know who I didn't know who he was looking oh, sorry, at. I'm, I'm wondering too. Uh, Cassie said he's not gonna commit to that, but he's full go. Like he checked all the boxes. He said, checked all the boxes. Medical boxes. clearance. It's uh, yeah, that means a lot in the NFL. Does it mean more in the NHL if you check all the boxes? Not a whole lot. <laughs> Saw so, um, him yesterday. He was involved in the. He, he uh, took part in the scrimmage yesterday. I was out at uh, practice. Did he anybody took part hit in the him? Because he's uh, not no, in no, no contact. Put it this way: nobody hit anybody. <laughs> Man, hit that Mark's was uh, that was uh, obviously an edict before the scrimmage. We're not checking anyone, and we're not we're not touching anyone. <laughs> so no stay touchy. all away from everyone. So aside from the goalie competition or not competition, however you want to view that. I think simply seeing Mark Stone play hockey and look like he's Mark Stone is probably the second most important thing in, in camp, yeah. right? Like you're talking about the captain of the team, maybe the best player, whatever, here, Jack Eichel, and he had back surgery, right? Like it's not like, ah, he's coming back from a wrist injury or something like it's a back surgery. Yeah. Big deal. Nerve problems too. Seeing him yeah. being like, Mark Stone on the ice, I think is the second most important thing. And if you get to see that in a preseason game, it sort of puts away all of the concerns that we had. What was that a month ago when all of a sudden it was, well, Mark Stone's not going to be in training camp or maybe he'll be there for some of it. We don't really know. Back injury. Uh, it's just simply seeing him play hockey, I think is a big yeah. deal. No, I agree with you. I mean, uh, if he's out there, I think, you know, better for them. I thought you were going to say that you're more more worried about the bottom bottom six and the depth. I think that's uh, what I mean, you're a little worried about. It's a it, what they have in the bottom six is going to be a story all season because listen, guys are going to underperform. They're going to try new players. There'll be injuries. Whatever. You don't have faith in the bottom six right now. I think they have a solid bottom six. I mean, to do what? Skate around and not get scored on. Well, that's a huge thing. Not yeah. being a minus is a huge thing in hockey. But and the checking lines can be your third line. Carly's going to lead them, oh and hopefully, William oh, on no, checking no. line again. Hey, he, can, he, he takes no. care of defensive responsibilities pretty well. Right. Like he's not as big of a wander back in the defensive zone as some other center number twenty. But in terms of that fourth line, I mean, the big question mark now is: is Will Carrier hurt? Hurt, or is he just on the mend and going to be ready to go for the start of the season? And if Paul Cotter's don't they have the great Paul lineup. Cotter? Yeah, but we were. Better score I was. Uh, <laughs> I was sitting in on the Insider Show yesterday, and Darren was talking about well, what's more likely if he's making that lineup, fourth line or third line? I we think it's third line because Michael Matteo is probably the most likely pin to go down if you're talking about. But if Will Carrier's hurt, then that's that's the easiest slot in right now. I think it's first line. Paul oh, is he that good? He's on yeah, the front page of the good. Review Journal. Make him, make him <laughs> prove us wrong, guys. <laughs> Put him on the first line. Here's, here's the thing with the third and fourth lines and why they're slightly a concern. If they simply are a neutral and they just don't get scored on and they don't score goals, mm -hmm. somebody has to score goals for this team. And Correct. I'm not convinced the top six is going to be that great of a goal-scoring top six. Okay, you, so five on five, you have concerns. Yeah, I mean, what they, about this new revamped power play? Well, we got oh, Phil they, Kessel up I, I top guess with Alex Petrangelo. They practiced that for like 20 minutes yesterday. I guess yeah, it, they were all over that. Let's do it. It kind of can't be worse than last year. I mean, it can be. They True. weren't the worst power play team in the league. But 
it'd be hard to be worse than last year. Can you imagine if they've got a worse power play than last year? <laughs> I think that's impossible. I think that's absolutely no. possible. But I don't think, and we'll ask Ben about this at 8.30 because I was talking about this yesterday. I think it'll be better, but we're not talking exponentially better. Right. We're not talking like top 10 power play. The two games I went to last year as a like in the crowd as a fan, there were multiple people yelling, fire Steve Spot. Like multiple people not only knew who the assistant coach was, but knew who was in charge of the power play and wanted him fired. If they're worse this year... And that's like Lindsay said yesterday about umpires. If you know the name of Steve's spot, there's something wrong. For like you sure. should never know who the assistant coaches are unless there's something really wrong. But that was carryover from the previous season, too, because they were just so bad on power play, well, they ended, especially through the playoffs. Yeah, the postseason. Yeah. What, what did they and then go, they didn't change anything. It's the definition of insanity. Like yeah. So, but like you look at the top six, and it's a fine top six, but who's scoring goals? Like Jack they, Eichel, they don't. Kessel. The great Jack Eichel? They don't, are any of those guys Chandler scoring Chandler. 50? No. Are they scoring oh, no. 40? Probably not. No. How many are scoring 30? Mm, Two? Marcheseau. Marcheseau and maybe Eichel. Eichel, Marcheseau, maybe Kessel. I don't oh. think Phil Kessel's getting anywhere People close to People don't that. like to I talk about Philly Cheese's ability to put the biscuit in the basket, but he has it in addition to dishing it. He can score some goals. I don't think he's getting anywhere close. I mean, close. he had eight last year because he played with Arizona State. Exactly. I think Keegan Colsar can get 15 this year. Let's see. Jonathan Marshall in his career has hit 30 exactly two times. Last year? Last year, and then his uh, only full season in Florida. So you're basically saying to get to 30 goals, you need Phil Kessel to not be ancient and break back out, and you need Jonathan Marshall to do his have his season best. Well, here's the thing goals. about Marshall, though. Like, is there a person on this team that you want more taking a breakaway shot? Right, he's always going to go bar down corner. He hits it all the time. And what's that line going to do that he slotted on with Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson do? They skate up and down, up and down. They're trying to create odd man rushes. So you actually could see a little bit more of a bump for Jonathan Marshall because he's playing just a different style, and that's so forecheck heavy as he has with William Carlson and Riley Smith at the misfit line in the past. Are you saying the misfit line held Jonathan Marshall so back? Oh my God! Well, you got to sometimes you got to hold people back to. Bring other people up to speed. Max Pacioretty's uh, high goal total in Vegas was 32. Eichel's done a pre-neck one time. Right. I just don't think they have enough guys that you can look at and say, oh, they're absolutely getting 30. Like, you, maybe you have five guys that score 22 goals. And well, maybe what would you, you rather around. do? Would you rather have, like, two or three guys get a little bit higher goal total, or would you rather have it more spread out across the lineup? I don't care. You just have to score a lot of goals. Fair enough. Coming up next, Ben Brown. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. Good morning, hey, ben. ben. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? All right. We're good. All right. Um, looking, we're going to start here with the Raiders, and I'm curious if you were looking at betting player props. This week, we have had Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, and Josh McDaniels all have to answer questions about how much usage Devontae Adams is getting. When you see something like that about a team's best player or best receiver, do you tend to think they're going to force him the ball and he's going to have a big day? Um, I would, I definitely think so. I think, you know, obviously the context matters a great deal, but I think, you know, especially for a team that's struggling, uh, that, that is still seeking their first win, uh, they very much have to get their best players involved. And I kind of expected that, uh, you know, against Tennessee last week, that really didn't come to fruition outside of kind of, you know, the first quarter, first half, where they did have some scripted plays in Devontae Adams' direction. But uh, you, they, they brought him in for a reason. Uh, and I think that, you know, in order to kind of get this thing back on the tracks, 
Uh, Devonta Adams is going to kind of have to be that guy in the passing offense. So I would expect him to get, you know, a number of targets early uh, and often. And I think that's only going to carry on throughout the entire game. So, uh, you know, over 6.5 receptions uh, for Devonta Adams, I think that is, you know, probably one of the best bets, even against, uh, you know, pretty difficult Denver Broncos secondary. Would you play it at one and a half? Um, that's, uh, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know if I actually would play it at, I, um, uh, the Raiders spread specifically, um, I think, you know, I think we're going to see a, a pretty desperate team. So I do think they're probably the only correct play on the spread, but, uh, right now I just haven't, I haven't had a strong feel for the Raiders so far. So it's probably a spot where I'm, you know, mainly looking at some of those player prop markets more than anything else. If you had to bet a, um, yes on will a coach be fired, would you bet on Hackett or McDaniels? Um, this year I would probably lean in Nathaniel Hackett's direction if I had <laughs> the only two and one coach. <laughs> no, it, it sounds weird. Um, uh, I don't know. I think we've seen, you know, um, we've seen Davis kind of not necessarily stick with coaches longer than what we would probably expect, but I, I think he probably has some loyalty to him. I do think that, um, you know, they, they very much targeted Josh McDaniels to be the guy here. And I think, you know, even with a little bit of a rough start, uh, he's going to have, uh, I would say a pretty long leash, so I would be, you know, absolutely shocked if they move on from Josh McDaniels. Uh, and and I can't say the same about uh, Nathaniel Hackett. I would say, I, you know, the the record is one thing, but um, I think there's a lot of you know other decisions and everything else. And the Broncos have had you know a pretty easy schedule to start the season as well. So I think that's got to play into you know at least that sort of decision making process as well. So who are the Chiefs? The Colts game or the two blowouts before they're laying two or they're getting two and a half at Tampa Bay. That's a Sunday night game. We know how good Tampa Bay's defense has been. Who, what team are the Chiefs? They are. I would say they're closer to uh, the first two games of the season than what they kind of just showed in Indianapolis. Uh, really didn't move the ball. I would say all that well uh, in Indy, but did also have you know a, a couple big type you know EPA type swings that didn't go their way. Of course, the fumble right there, the the, the pump. The punt return fumble or muff punt or whatever, kind of to start the game uh, down early. Uh, so I think that, you know, obviously impacted things. But I think they are, you know, still one of the best offenses in the NFL. I think that, you know, defensively uh, they allowed a few drives to the Colts, but overall we're actually pretty stingy defensively as well. So I think if that carries forward, um, they are still very much, you know, legitimate contenders in the AFC, I would say, right behind Buffalo. So, I think they're closer to, you know, the first two games than what we saw, and I think we're probably going to see, you know, that kind of play out here on Sunday Night Football, you know, wherever that game actually ends up. Do you believe that Tampa Bay's offense is going to be fine now that Mike Evans is back and Julio Jones and Chris Godwin could be back, or is there actually some concerns there about how good they are offensively? I Yeah, I would, I'm, I'm more concerned, you know, if they don't have the wide receiver guys in place, right? I think that uh, Tom Brady's been a guy who can kind of, navigate pressure type situations can kind of navigate getting the ball uh, out quickly, especially if his receivers uh, are kind of capable of generating some of that separation underneath. So I think that was kind of the point that was stagnating their offense the past two weeks was not having really anybody that could separate, uh, especially underneath. I think Rashad Berryman uh, can be a pretty good receiver downfield, but he's not winning routes over the middle. And I do think that that is kind of what Tom Brady needs. So, you know, with Godwin, if he gets back in the fold and Julio Jones as well, 
uh, I definitely think they have that in place, and I do think that you know going forward, uh, the wide receiver room and who they have available week in and week out uh, is probably going to be more uh, more impactful to their overall offense than what they have you know playing along the offensive line. I would say so. I, I, I think that they're going to be able to you know put it put put forward a pretty solid effort, but uh, I still like the Chiefs here on Sunday Night Football. Can the Bills? When with him throwing 60-plus passes and they're in Baltimore and it's one, uh, do you have a preference here? I kind of like uh, Buffalo. I do think that, uh, you know, they still very much are the class, I would say, of the entire NFL, uh, you know, from top to bottom. Of course, the, the secondary concerns with no Micah Hyde, uh, no, no Jordan Poyer as well, that is a little bit concerning, but I think they can beat teams in a shootout-type environment. I do still think they have, you know, enough guys along the defensive line uh, to generate pressure and make you know Lamar Jackson uncomfortable, and it's not like the Ravens have been you know all that great from you know a coverage secondary standpoint as well. That's you know very much the reason that they lost the game you know in Miami uh, in Week Two, uh, and I still think that you know some of those guys, even though they're playing like Marlon Humphrey, are definitely not playing up to where we've kind of expected them to be. And I do think a little bit of that is injury related as well. So give me Buffalo minus three. I think it's just a little bit too short. Uh, I love what Lamar Jackson's been able to do. Definitely, you know, an MVP type candidate. But uh, outside of him, I'm kind of concerned about he needing to be the guy, needing to be almost, you know, Superman type situation every single week. And I think that that is the reason why they're probably going to fall just a little bit short against what I would consider the best team in the NFL. All right. The best way you can do this to explain for a sports radio audience, you put out a chart earlier this week about offensive schemes and their uniqueness uh, through three weeks. How exactly do you define and come up with how unique a certain team's offense is? Definitely. So we look, you know, basically uh, uh, very initially at kind of like their personnel groupings, how often they run like 11 personnel, uh, 21 personnel, 10 personnel, uh, and we kind of compare that to league averages. And then we look at things like how often do they run motion? How often are they running play action? How often are they, you know, running outside zone type schemes in the running game? How often are they doing, you know, certain somewhat unique things in the passing game as well. And then you can kind of take that, uh, fold it into a model, uh, and kind of come up with like a league average rate. And then how close, you know, each team compares to that uh, is how close they kind of are to the center of that graph. So I think it measures, you know, the, the ability for offensive coordinators and head coaches to kind of come up with, you know, unique plays uh, in order to kind of generate productive offense. And I think, you know, that that's ideally what the chart is showing. Uh, and I also think it kind of shows, um, you know, an interesting direction for where league-wide uh, a lot of these offenses are kind of heading. So that's basically what the the goal of the chart is. And then we can kind of do similar things on the defensive side of the football, you know, and see what defensive coordinators uh, are kind of coming up with unique type game plans in order to kind of stop these offenses. So it's it's a, it's obviously a balancing act, and things can definitely shift, you know, week to week depending on you know who's playing who and those sorts of things, but. Uh, I think it offers kind of a, a interesting view into um, you know who's doing uh, not necessarily cutting edge type work, but who's doing uh, the putting in the time to kind of come up with you know unique approaches to stopping both offenses uh, and also generating some of those productive some of that production on offense. So right in the middle of your chart is the L.A. Rams. Uh, is that a good thing for Sean McVay that uh, he's in the middle, meaning other teams have copied him, or is that a bad thing because they're the most uh, or least unique team offense in the NFL? Yeah, I think I, I'm not. I don't, I don't want to say it's necessarily a bad thing for Sean McVay, but I think it definitely highlights the fact that a lot of people, a lot of teams, 
uh, have gravitated towards what the Rams were doing offensively with Sean McVay. And I don't think he's necessarily changed, you know, a whole lot since he's kind of become the head coach uh, for that particular team. But I think that uh, the league has kind of gravitated in that direction. I think maybe that's, um, you know, a reflection of how productive he has been. And that, that in one sense could be a good thing. But I think it also shows maybe he hasn't, you know, evolved the scheme enough. And maybe that's the reason why, uh, you know, they could struggle down the stretch or there could be a narrative of them, you know, potentially struggling in the second half of seasons if he's not, you know, coming up with unique type game plans week in and week out. So uh, I think it's probably a double-edged sword, but I think, you know, overall uh, it's, it's a little bit tough to take away too much from, you know, Sean McVay at this point in time. Before you let me, we let you go. I want to ask you about one game. Uh, do you believe in Jacksonville? And here they come against Philadelphia. I think the number six, the way the Eagles have been playing, can they keep that close? I think they definitely can. I think you know, defensively, uh, they're getting a lot out of their young rookies that maybe we didn't expect to be you know on the field and as productive as they are right away. So I like it. I do think Trevor Lawrence has taken uh, a pretty dramatic step forward in year two. Uh, I do think that he's you know trending towards being one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think that's only going to continue week in uh, and week out. So I, I I like Jacksonville. I think you're kind of being uh, – you're, you're, you're able to almost sell high on the Eagles right now, but I do think they are uh, just a little bit overvalued as six-and-a-half-point favorites uh, coming up this weekend. So I would take I would take Jacksonville uh, with the points. I do think, you know, if, at, at six-and-a-half, it, it maybe makes more sense to take them on the money line, but uh, obviously that's a much lower expectation than – uh, them just covering six and a half, but I think it's Jacksonville, uh, Jacksonville or bust for me this week, and that's for sure. Well, he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate awesome it. Awesome stuff, Ben. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. So there's Ben Brown, and now you've got a shot to win four hundred dollars thanks to Dollar Loan Center. It's Friday Football Frenzy. We're going to give you three NFL games, and if you can pick the winners of all three games. You won $400 because so far we are 0 and 3. So <laughs> no, seven, we are not 0 and 3. Well, our listeners are. It's, it's all of us together. <laughs> That's right. One big family. Uh, 702-364-1100. One big family sounds like something Josh McDaniels would have painted on the wall. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number 6 at 702-364-1100. You'll have a shot at 400 bucks. Burrow wants to throw Easy. his pass, yeah. caught by Hurst, Easy. touchdown, nice. Bengals, nice. and that should be Coffin Nails. Bam, bam, bam. And Cincinnati has a 12-point lead with less than two minutes to go. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. It is Friday Football Frenzy, sponsored by Dollar Loan Center, offering signature loans up to $5,000. Stop by one of their 34 locations in Las Vegas and Henderson. Three weeks in, we have not had a winner, which means all of that money has rolled over into week four. And Dan will have a shot at 400 bucks. All right, Dan, you just got to pick the winners of these three games. No point spreads, just straight up winners. Patriots at Packers. And that's good with Packers. All right. The next one, Bills at Ravens. Whew. Oh, gosh. Let's go with uh, Lamar and the Ravens. All right. And your final game is Browns at Falcons. And let's go with uh, our former backup. Let's go with Mariota and 
and the Falcons. All right. All right. All three home teams. Home teams. Dan, if the Packers, Ravens, and Falcons win, you'll get $400 thanks to Dollar Loan Center. If not, we'll have $500 to give away next week. Dan, thank you. Thanks, Dan. Good luck, brother. Good luck. I appreciate the opportunity and love your guys' show. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Dan. Dan. Uh, So there is Dan. And again, he's the one. (laughs) Oh, look at you. So uh, he's got the Packers. That's the easy game. Patriots at Packers that I'm trying to give people. Uh, then Bills at Ravens and Browns at You Falcons. gave him a couple tough ones. Uh, Bills did, at Ravens I did really give him tough. a couple tough ones. And yes. Browns, well, I think Bills and Ravens are really tough. Yes. Um, so if he gets if three home teams win those games, Dan gets $400. Yeah. If not, somebody will have a shot at $500 next week. Again, Friday Football Frenzy brought to you by Dollar Loan Center, offering signature loans up to $5,000. Stop by one of the 34 locations in Las Vegas and Henderson. Now, Thursday night football. Uh, the Bengals won last night, but Tua Tungaviola was uh, stretchered off the field late in the second quarter after he suffered a head injury. Uh, was a concussion. Uh, got sacked, went to the ground. Uh, if you were watching it, you saw his arms and fingers uh, that Amazon's medical expert came on and said, hey, oh, that's a sign of head trauma. Um, this is after Sunday when Tua stumbled after getting knocked to the ground against Buffalo. He ended up re-entering that game on th- or on Sunday. Excuse me. Um, it looked like a concussion, but everything the Dolphins have said so far is that he passed concussion protocol. And yesterday, Mike McDaniel was adamant that he, that Tua did not suffer a concussion on Sunday. It just looked like it as he stumbled to the ground after getting up. Right. Um, he did suffer a concussion last night. He was taken to a hospital. The amazing thing to me is that he was discharged and flew yeah. home with the team, like not even separately. Like the hospital said, yep, yeah, you're good to go, fly home. And his dad said this morning that he is uh, home uh, and doing, uh, you know, as well as expected. So Tua flew home with the team last night after suffering that concussion. Got a text from uh, the wife who's watching television this morning. This is updated news. Why did he fly home? <laughs> he should be in the hospital Correct. for evaluation. So, Isn't that, I mean, uh, Andre James had a concussion for the Raiders, flew home the next day. It was, when you saw the hit and stretch it off, you're exactly right. Not only flying home, that he was released that fast. I think he was, I think before. The game was over. The game was over. They had said he has feeling in all extremities. He's going to be released. I'm like, they've released him with that head injury? So, and here's the interesting part on that, because the Dolphins and the NFL are receiving a ton of criticism for the way Tua has been handled. He was taken, according to the broadcast, to the University of Cincinnati Hospital. Mm-hmm. A, uh, what, what do they call it? A trauma one center. Mm-hmm. That's not the NFL or the Dolphins releasing him. That's like a legitimate hospital he went to that apparently signed off on him going home, flying home that night. So that's a interesting situation that that's like as much criticism as the NFL and Dolphins are getting and deserve. There's another level of, Hey, that's that. I assume that wasn't the NFL or the Dolphins pushing that. Is there any way that against medical advice, he said, release me. Is there any, it would, that, that would take actual reporting. Right. It? That would, that's a good I don't know. Well, and Tua probably isn't the rumor saying that he's the one that put him back himself back in the position to go back out in general. Like that's basically when he had the supposed back injury. On yeah, exactly. And that's where it's like you would look for coaches and other people to step in being like, hey, I need to protect you in this instance yeah. because you can't you're not making the right decision for yourself right now. I can't. I'd be surprised if Tua said. I'm leaving yeah. regardless of what the doctors say. His parents were there too. Yeah. I, I heard that on the broadcast. So here's here's my part on the on the Dolphins side of this. 
Mike McDaniel, their coach, was adamant yesterday that Tua did not have a concussion. The first on time, five Sunday. days ago. Yes, yeah. Sunday he did. He was adamant that he did not have a concussion. Um, they have said multiple times that they went through concussion protocol on Sunday. The NFL is investigating it to make sure that they did go through proper concussion protocols. Am I naive to think there's no way the Dolphins would be this adamant about it if they, in fact, did break concussion protocol on Sunday? That's a great question. Like, I, I just have I mean, a hard time believing I have a hard Mike time McDaniel believing, yeah, exactly. I was just would stand the up there thing. and say, it wasn't right. a concussion, we followed all the rules. I mean, talking about putting yourself in a libelous situation, if something happens and you go back and they're like, it's proven that that wasn't the case. Now, maybe their concussion protocol sucks, right? Like, maybe the concussion protocol isn't good enough. And that's like a you know an NFL level and the rules you put in place well, for guys. Well, an independent with that neurologist, issue. right? It's supposed to have a doctor making that evaluation. And now we're like, well, who's making that evaluation? Was there a conversation between them and the team? Are they truly making the right decisions? Right, like the exactly. the process of what got to a approved to come back in the game. I'm sure there's issues with that, right? But I just I just can't imagine. Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins as an organization being that adamant about it stand up and be like there was absolutely no concussion we followed all the concussion protocols unless they did because I mean you're and he did this last night after the game because you're telling me Tua obviously suffered a concussion on Thursday I just I can't imagine Mike McDaniel would say that if he did in fact suffer I thought it was interesting that McDaniel's one of his last comments in his press conferences thank goodness it was only a concussion it's like what Thank goodness it was only a concussion. I think that's pretty I, serious. I think I agree with him though. Like it looked bad you mean because of the neck injury. Yeah, I mean, it was brutal to watch that on TV.